Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report Podcast, and today is January the 12th, 2024. It's been 3,637 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 322 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are no changes from yesterday, so if you want to skip ahead, you won't hurt my feelings, because I won't even know. 1. We maintain the Russian fall-winter offensive of 2023, which started on October the 4th, has culminated without achieving any operational or strategic goals. 2. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 3. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 4. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 5. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 6. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 7. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 9. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st-century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29, 2024. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers on the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. We begin in Kharkiv and Luhansk. In the Kupiansk area of operation, or AO, mutual fighting continued north of Sinkivka with no change of the situation. 
there are very reliable reports that Ukrainian forces have advanced in the direction of Pershotravneva and Vilshana, and we are awaiting visual confirmation. A video recorded in the forests northeast of Petropavlivka showed a Russian armored column with light infantry hit by cluster munitions and then ambushed by Ukrainian forces. The commander of the ground forces of Ukraine, Colonel General Alexander Sirsky, said that Russia was preparing new assaults in the Kupinskyo and reconstituting Stormzy assault companies. This aligns with our earlier report that Russia was moving units into Kharkiv region, but they are smaller groupings that likely won't achieve their operational goals. Northwest of Kremlin 9, Luhansk Oblast, Russia launched four attacks on Makiivka, suffered losses, and retreated to their defensive positions. East of Terny, on the luhansk donetsk administrative border, a platoon of Russian armor was destroyed before reaching the line of conflict, also called the Lok. We link to the video in our daily situation report, and you can learn more in the podcast description. On January the 5th, in occupied Luhansk, rockets fired by HIMARS struck the Hotel Donbass in Kadivka. The hotel had been attacked previously, with the surviving building still used as a barracks by Russian troops. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In the Bakhmutio, continued fighting was reported at the northern edge of Bogdanivka, with no change in the situation. In the Klishivka Ayo, positional fighting continued northwest and east of Klishivka and east of Andreevka. A geolocated video showed a platoon of Russian mortar infantry destroyed as they reached the lock. Ukrainian forces continued to hold their defensive lines in southwest Donetsk. On the north flank of the Avdiivka Ayo, fighting was reported near Novobakhmutivka, east of Stepove and northeast of the Avdiivka coke plant compound. On the southern flank, positional fighting continued in the no-man's land between Vodene and Severne and near Pervomaiske and the Ukrainian firebase at Nevelske. In the Marienka Ayo, Russian forces continued their attacks east of Georgievka near the fishing pond dam. In the Vugledareyo, Russian forces continued their attacks on Novomikhailivka. Russian sources claimed they made advances southwest of the settlement without evidence. In Zaporizhia, fighting continued in the Orikhivayo. There were positional battles and harassment attacks west of Verbove and Robotene, with no change in the situation. New geolocated videos confirmed the location of the lock on our war map. The Russian Ministry of Defense reported that the International Atomic Energy Agency inspectors at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant were successfully rotated. A 14-hour ceasefire was declared along their transit route and in the contested settlement of Kamienske, where the crossing between occupied and free Ukraine is located on the M18 highway. With the Russian Black Sea fleet contained, there isn't as much activity in the Black Sea occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv and Odessa regions. But I have some updates today. Turkey, Bulgaria and Romania signed an agreement to form a non-NATO-led joint demining mission in the Black Sea. 
the mission plan and objectives will be formulated over the next four to six months. During an interview on Marathon, the spokesperson for the Ukrainian Navy, Dmitro Platinchuk, said that cargo shipments from Ukrainian ports are back to pre-war levels. In the last five months, over 15 million metric tons of cargo have been exported by more than 500 cargo ships through ports in the Odessa Oblast. In northern Ukraine, unfortunate news in the Chernihiv Oblast. On the T-25-33 highway between the villages of Hremyechka and Leonivka, a school bus driver on his way to work was spotted by a Russian sabotage and reconnaissance unit that had crossed approximately 50 meters into Ukraine. The Russian troops fired on the car, killing the man. This was the second incident with a civilian in the last 30 days. In response, the State Border Service announced that anyone wanting to stay within 5 kilometers of the Russia-Ukraine border would need to get permission. Here is the update for the Russian front. In the Belgorod region, a Ukrainian drone struck an electrical substation in the village of Tishanka, knocking out power in the area. Belgorod region governor Vyacheslav Gladkov said that repairs had not started because emergency services need permission from the Russian Ministry of Defense. In Shali, Chechnya, the military headquarters building for the 70th Guards Motor Rifle Regiment burned to the ground. No one was injured, but reportedly all of the military records of the unit were lost. Yesterday, Russian officials claimed the drone attacks by Ukraine didn't cause any damage. Surprise! The Kremlin lied. A video shows that in Borisoglebsk, Voronezh, a drone struck the LSC-711 aircraft repair plant, collapsing part of the roof. Let's talk about theater-wide events. The Verkhovna Rada withdrew the draft law on amendments to certain legislative acts of Ukraine on improving certain issues of mobilization, military registration and military service, after a closed-door meeting with the Ministry of Defense. The withdrawal is due to continued questions of the legality of the proposed changes, with the draft facing a third rewrite. The Prosecutor General of Ukraine, Andriy Kostin, confirmed that Russia used North Korean-sourced KN-23 short-range ballistic missiles to attack Kharkiv on January 2. This aligns with our assessment after viewing pictures made available through open-source intelligence. Kostin said, quote, The results of a preliminary scientific and technical examination confirm that the Kharkiv missile launched on January 2 over the central part is a short-range missile developed by North Korea. Unquote. The foreign minister of Ukraine, Dmitro Kuleba, will meet with his Hungarian counterpart Petr Siyarto on January 29. The pair plan to lay the groundwork to organize negotiations between President Volodymyr Zelensky and Prime Minister of Hungary Viktor Orban to quote, promote important decisions for Ukraine in the EU and to develop bilateral relations. Speaking with journalists in Riga, Latvia, President Zelensky made a rare public rebuke on his allies. Quote, How can you live and sleep peacefully when you realize that you have dozens of these systems, he means Patriot Air Defense Systems, and if you supplied Ukraine with seven systems today, 
people in Kharkiv, Kherson, and Odessa would not be killed. Is it possible to live a normal life knowing this? Unquote. Russian-owned United States publication Bloomberg claimed that President Joe Biden's national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, will request a more formalized 2024 battle plan from Kyiv. Sullivan is expected to meet with Zelensky at the World Economic Forum in Davos. In December, the Ukrainian president rejected calls from Republican hardliners to share more detailed plans, citing operational security. In December 2022, hundreds of classified documents about Ukraine's military capabilities were leaked on the Internet by a Massachusetts Air National Guardsman. During a press conference, the coordinator for strategic communications at the White House National Security Council, John Kirby, confirmed that the United States has run out of funds to support Ukraine. Kirby told reporters, quote, Yes, we issued the last package from the available reserves, for which we had funding to support, referencing the aid package announced on December 28. According to the United States news agency CNN, Ukrainian soldiers are receiving Stinger anti-aircraft missiles produced between 1979 and 1989. Some of the boxes reportedly had documentation written in Dari, suggesting the missiles were originally intended for the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. A note from my editor. Yes, the military aid that went to Ukraine charged full book value for the 30- to 40-year-old man-pads. Take all the time you need. The New York Times wrote that the U.S. Defense Inspector General found that the Department of Defense and the State Department failed to report on the status of almost 40,000 different man-portable weapons and pieces of military equipment sent to Ukraine. The Pentagon report indicated that up to $1 billion in man-portable missile systems, one-way drones and night-vision equipment wasn't fully tracked. The report also indicated there was no evidence that any of the weapons were misused or stolen after delivery to Poland and transfer to Ukraine. Another note from my editor. Yet incredibly, reporters from CNN were able to account for the location of 30-40-year-old manpads in Ukraine in the hands of Ukrainian soldiers. If a nation can learn anything from Switchblade 300 one-way drones, it would be how not to build first-person view FPV one-way drones. Pentagon spokesperson Pat Ryder told reporters there was no evidence that American weapons are, quote, falling into the wrong hands. He added that Russia, quote, is constantly trying to spread disinformation. The deputy press secretary of the State Department, Vedant Patel, was also on the defensive, telling reporters, quote, as of today, there is no reliable information that could indicate the theft or illegal redirection of American weapons that the United States provided to Ukraine as military aid. Unquote. A report released by Congressional Republicans on November 16, 2023, also found no evidence of corruption, theft, resale, or illegal redirection of American weapons or funds by Ukraine. President of Ecuador Daniel Noboa said that his government was prepared to transfer $200 million in Soviet and post-Soviet military hardware to the United States in exchange for new Western equipment. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia was not happy, saying, quote, The Ecuadorian authorities were informed of Russia's position that the Americans do not need to send this equipment, especially since they called it scrap metal.
It is needed by those who know how to handle Russian-made equipment, and we warned the authorities that this would be an unfriendly step." Unquote. The Czech Republic company Izolid Bravo delivered eight UGV Trailblazer surface drones to Ukraine. The drones can carry up to 350 kilograms and were designed for transporting supplies and the wounded across the battlefield. Estonia announced it would provide Ukraine with 1.2 billion euros of support through 2027. Latvia announced it was sending a new military aid package to Ukraine. And the full list of included gear is in our daily situation report. There's more information on how you can become a subscriber in the podcast description. Latvia and Ukraine also signed a bilateral agreement to produce military drones. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. What's happening in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir? Political opposition figure, presidential hopeful and former Russian State Duma deputy Boris Nadezhdin met with the wives of Mobix fighting in Ukraine. One woman told him, quote, Why are prisoners released six months after they have completed their tasks? What have our men done? What have they done wrong to this homeland? What are they doing there in the trenches? My husband has been in the trenches since February. They have not seen any rotation. What did they do? They are so close to figuring it out. They are always so close to figuring it out. And yet, they are still so far away. What's Vlad the Impaler Putin doing to tighten his grip on power? Let's talk about the ongoing Putin purge. The former general director of Tsvetlit, Sergei Volkadav, died after a severe beating at the Butyrka pretrial detention center. In 2022, Volkadav and his brother Yuri, the former head of the main military construction directorate No. 6, were convicted of defrauding over 1 billion rubles from the government during the construction of the Vostochny Kosmodrom. The court decided to recalculate their sentence on appeal because the duo spent years in pre-trial detention waiting for their court hearing. They were both released, but Sergei was re-arrested in August 2023. There are accusations that Sergei had become a liability in the eyes of Moscow because of his knowledge of corruption within Roscosmos. Serbian volunteers of the Russian 106th Division of the 119th Airborne Assault Regiment released a video appealing to President Putin and the leadership of the Ministry of Defense to be transferred to any other unit at full strength. They called their treatment bestial and claimed they were being ill-treated because they sympathized with private military company Wagner Group leader Evgeny Prigozhin. Pro-war Putin critic Sergei Udeltsov has been charged with justification of terrorism by a Moscow court. Udeltsov was arrested in 2011 for resisting arrest during a protest and sentenced to five and then 15 days in jail. He organized protests in 2012 against President Putin, was arrested and twice sentenced to 15 days in jail. He was arrested at least two more times in 2012 
with Alexei Navalny and other opposition leaders and sentenced to four and a half years in a penal colony for organizing a riot. The latest charges stem from social media posts on Telegram, with Udeltsov facing five to seven years in a penal colony. In our war crimes and human rights section, we sometimes discuss human suffering, torture and abuse. There are no graphic descriptions in today's podcast. Belarusian television ran a story about 35 Ukrainian children who were illegally deported and being kept from their parents, forced to take military training, describing their experience as a, quote, wonderful vacation. After the missile strike on the Park Hotel, shocked Turkish journalists who were staying at the property told their audience, quote, Now we have seen how the Russians fight with our own eyes. The hotel is a completely civilian object. Finally, I have geopolitical and economic news. Finland will keep its border with Russia closed through February the 11th. Interior Minister of Finland Maria Rantanen explained this decision as a national security priority and hinted that the closure would be further extended. The Biden administration supports a draft law that would enable the confiscation of up to $300 billion in frozen Russian assets and transfer the funds to Ukraine. Before you get too excited about Kyiv getting a $300 billion checkbook, If the law is passed by Congress and signed by President Biden, it would only apply to frozen assets in United States banks. That represents just $5 billion. Most of the money, over $190 billion, is held in Belgium. South Korea accused North Korea of using the war in Ukraine as a proving ground for its nuclear-capable missile systems to improve accuracy and reliability. The permanent representative of South Korea at the UN, Ambassador Hwang Jung-kook, told the Security Council, quote, By exporting missiles to Russia, North Korea uses Ukraine as a test site for its nuclear-capable missiles. This is an unceremonious affront to territorial integrity and the integrity of Ukraine, unquote. The security services of Israel and Egypt have refused to grant permission to 29 Ukrainian citizens seeking to evacuate the Gaza Strip. The Ukrainian ambassador to Israel, Yevhen Kornichuk, told the United States state media agency Radio Liberty, quote, There is no possibility because some of the people on the lists we submitted were rejected by the competent authorities of Israel and Egypt, adding that the reason for refusing their evacuation was, quote, certain security issues regarding these individuals. Newsweek reported that in 2023 Russia imported $8.7 billion in semiconductors and other military goods, as well as $22.2 billion in dual-use components. Most of the electronics passed through Chinese companies acting as third-party intermediaries to dodge sanctions. Over 44% of the electronics and semiconductors came from the United States. The Assistant Secretary of the U.S. State Department for European and Eurasian Affairs, Jim O'Brien, said that Romania has become the largest point of entry for Ukrainian grain. In 2023, 14 million metric tons of grain were exported through the Romanian port of Constanta, almost double the amount moved in 2022. 
According to Reuters Thompson, the two largest state-owned oil refiners in India, Indian Oil Corp and Bharat Petroleum Corp, have decided to buy crude oil from Saudi Arabia instead of Russia due to improved quality and lower prices. India has been cutting the amount of oil imported by Russia through 2023 due to reported pricing disputes and lower refinery yields from the Sokol-grade crude. The seven Russian oil tankers that were turned away by Indian refiners last month reportedly went to different buyers. In 2023, the Russian federal budget had a revenue shortfall of 3.2 trillion rubles. Oil and gas sales generated 8.8 trillion in revenue, falling short of the target 9 trillion ruble goal. In another sign Moscow is facing revenue issues, the Ministry of Finance is returning to selling gold on the market to raise capital. Starting on January 15, Russia plans to sell 4.1 billion rubles worth of gold to improve liquidity. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.